business rock stars. Kelly Kennedy here. And today I wanted to introduce you to my business, Capital Business Development, where we don't just see businesses. We see your potential to change the world. We see your passion, your dedication, and drive to do something extraordinary. And we're here to help you bring that vision to life. At Capital Business Development, we understand that behind every business is a visionary, someone with the determination to make a difference. Whether you're a startup with a big idea or an established company aiming to expand your impact, we're here to support you every step of the way. Our mission goes beyond traditional business development. We're committed to nurturing your dreams and empowering you to achieve greatness. From strategic planning and networking to hands-on support and personalized coaching, we provide the tools and guidance you need to succeed. So if you're ready to transform your vision into reality, look no further than Capital Business Development. Visit us today at www.capitalbd.ca to learn more about how we can help you unleash your potential to change the world. Your dreams matter. Let's make them happen together. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. Welcome to episode 96 of the Business Development Podcast. And on today's expert guest interview, we are bringing you Dan Balaban, CEO and executive chair of Greengate Power, the company behind Canada's largest solar and wind projects. Stick with us. You're not going to want to miss this one. The great Mark Cuban once said, business happens over years and years. Value is measured in the total upside of a business relationship not by how much you squeezed out in any one deal. And we couldn't agree more. This is the the Business Business Development Development Podcast. Podcast. Based in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And broadcasting to the world. You'll get expert business development advice, tips and experiences. And you'll hear interviews with business owners, CEOs, and business development reps. You'll get actionable advice on how to grow business. Brought to you by Capital Business Development. CapitalBD.ca Let's do it. Welcome Welcome to the the Business Business Development Development Podcast. Podcast. And And now your your expert expert host, host, Kelly Kelly Kennedy. Hello, welcome to episode 96 of the Business Development Podcast. And my gosh, do we have an absolutely amazing expert interview for you today. We have Dan Balaban, CEO and executive chair of Greengate Power. Dan Balaban, a visionary entrepreneur and pioneer in the Canadian renewable energy landscape, stands at the forefront of the sustainable energy revolution. As the executive chair, CEO and co-founder of Greengate, a pioneering renewable energy company based in Calgary, Alberta. Dan has spearheaded the development of large-scale projects that have significantly contributed to Canada's clean energy portfolio. His leadership has been instrumental in propelling Greengate to unparalleled heights, with a track record of successfully delivering nearly 1.5 gigawatts of operating renewable energy projects, including the nation's largest wind and solar initiatives, representing a remarkable $2 billion in investment and providing power to over half a million homes. Dan's journey, marked by his early contributions in technology consulting realm and the subsequent establishment of Roughneck.ca, reflects his versatile expertise and unwavering commitment to driving innovation and sustainability in the energy sector. Beyond his role at Greengate, Dan's influence extends to various board memberships and strategic advisory roles, showcasing his dedication to community development and economic growth. 
His dynamic engagement with organizations such as Calgary Economic Development, the Creative Destruction Lab, and advisory positions with Longbow Capital and Hempalta underscores his commitment for fostering a resilient and sustainable future. Recognized for his outstanding achievements, Dan has received numerous accolades, such as being named one of Canada's Clean 50, Resource Leader of the Year by the Alberta Chamber of Resources, and EY Entrepreneur of the Year Prairies winner. His impactful presence is not only felt through the impressive renewable energy sector, but also in his advocacy for energy transition, economic development, and entrepreneurial spirit making Dan an influential figure shaping the future of clean energy in Canada. Dan's story is not just one of corporate success, but a testament to the transformative power of leadership in a pursuit of a sustainable future. With a trailblazing spirit, he continues to illuminate the path towards cleaner energy solutions, leaving an indelible mark on the industry. Dan stands as a visionary force driving change, and his impact is poised to resonate far beyond the energy sector, shaping a legacy of innovation, resilience, and environmental stewardship. Dan, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you for having me, and uh, thank you for that kind introduction. Yeah, not a problem. Not a problem. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, thanks for reaching out to us. That was that was really cool. And, uh, you know, when we started talking, and I started to learn more about your story, like, obviously, being in Alberta, I've heard of Greengate, but I, you know, I mean, I didn't recognize, you know, the length of time that Greengate had been around, and frankly, the influential impact that you guys have made. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's it's uh, great uh, to uh, be operating in our home province of Alberta. This is a place uh, that I grew up in. And uh, I uh, care about this province a lot. It's a great place to live. Uh, and I think has the potential to continue to be prosperous for generations to come. Thank you so much. And congratulations for your success. You know, I know for a fact that your story can't, it could not have been easy. I, I know that for a fact. Being in Alberta, that, you know, the whole green transition thing, like you said, has been a political football for a long time. And uh, you've been in this, like I said, you're kind of like the OG of renewables in Alberta, which is, it's really cool. Um, take us back to the beginning, Dan. How, what led you on this path? Yeah, well, uh, you know, starting a renewable energy company in the heart of oil country uh, 17 years ago uh, definitely wasn't uh, the uh, choice made for uh, the easiest uh, easiest path, but it has been uh, has been a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, my my journey uh, definitely started a lot earlier earlier than that. Um, you know, so I I uh, actually was born in Toronto. I uh, moved to Calgary uh, when I was uh, when I was nine years old. Um, but, you know, growing up uh, in Toronto, uh, had a really, um, really great childhood. Uh, we spent the, uh, the <clears throat> week in the cities. And then on the weekend, we actually owned a family farm. So I uh, spent my younger years playing in the dirt and uh, driving heavy equipment at probably way too young an age. Um, <laughs> we had, uh, but, you know, just to give you an idea, this is a really bare bones place. We didn't actually have a toilet. We had an outhouse. Uh, so, we, wow. you know, we'd leave our place in the city for this, uh, you know, very bare bones place. So it really gave me an appreciation for, um, you know, the fact that it's not really the material things in life that, uh, necessarily make you happy. It's, you know, there are a lot of other things that, that, uh, are worth appreciating. Moved to Calgary when I was, uh, when I was nine years old, my uh, late father, Jack was, uh, in the resources business and got transferred, uh, out to Calgary to, uh, run an oil and gas company. So I kind of grew up, um, 
you know, here in, in Calgary, um, in the oil and gas industry, because uh, my father was in the oil and gas industry. Um, but, you know, also being here in, um, in Calgary, the footsteps of the Rocky Mountains, uh, you can't help but uh, grow a real uh, appreciation for nature. So, you know, environmental issues have been something that uh, have always been important to me. Um, professionally, uh, I, uh, I studied uh, computer science um, in university. I got a degree in computer science uh, from the University of Toronto. And I actually started my career in technology consulting. Uh, so helping, uh, you know, at the time, uh, companies use this new technology called the internet, which really makes me feel, which really dates me, but uh, I still feel very young, believe me. Um, but yeah, using this new technology called the internet uh, to improve their businesses. Um, so that, you know, that got me involved in a lot of really cool, um, cool projects, um, you know, in retail, telecom, banking. Um, and then I ended up... Um, leaving uh consulting to start uh my own company it was a company called roughneck um the um goal of the company was to bring this internet based technology to the oil and gas sector uh specifically yeah. around uh you know managing operations um and um uh built that uh that company up i you know i literally wrote the code um uh, you know at least the the beginning probably a million lines of code myself in, uh, in what was my one bedroom apartment at the time. But, um, all to, uh, you know, eventually, um, you know, we're, we're able to get it out to market and, uh, ultimately, uh, ended up being, uh, successful at our first success had, and it resulted in my first successful exit, which was in, uh, 2005 and, um, you know, um, used that, uh, that capital to ultimately launch GreenGate. Wow. Wow. That is unbelievable. Um, you know, so in the beginning, you know, I, I get it. We all start companies and we have a vision. How different is GreenGate from your initial vision of it? I'd say it's pretty consistent uh, with with the vision that we had uh, from the beginning. And I'm uh, I'd say we've I'm, I'm really proud of what we've accomplished. I'd say almost beyond my my wildest dreams uh, from when we yeah. from when we started uh, the company. But really, you know, our vision at GreenGate is you know was to prove that large scale renewables um, could work in uh, in Canada and you know specifically in Alberta. Um, you know, and at the time yeah. uh, it was a pretty you know pretty young industry. I wouldn't say we were the first. Uh, we certainly weren't the first in Alberta to develop renewables, but we were certainly the the first to develop at the, at the scale uh, that we did. And, uh, you know, now that's quite commonplace. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, we were talking kind of in the initial pre-chats for this show, and I was like, man, like, that's it. That must be like a huge, huge organization. You're like, Kelly, not really. Like, we, you know, what was it? You mentioned that uh, GreenGate is primarily around 12 12 executives. Is that correct? Yeah, we, we you know, at um, you know, kind of our peak, we had about a, you know, a dozen people at GreenGate. And really our model is um, we have a management team. So basically a team of managers. And what we do is we manage a whole bunch of um, third-party consultants that do a lot of the, um, you know, more detailed technical work, uh, if you will, uh, on our projects. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, 12 people ultimately to, uh, you know, have uh, led the development of uh, 
you know, over $2 billion of projects is yeah. a pretty, pretty cool thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that was what I wanted to talk to you about. It's like, how in the world does 12 people do that? <laughs> Because <laughs> that's amazing. That is a good use of resources. <laughs> yeah, you know, so, you know, so um, you know, uh, hi- hiring some really great people. Um, you know, people that uh, that uh, you know work really hard, wear many hats. Um, you know, probably at times uh, overworked, but uh, but you know, but also um, you know, working with great partners, and uh, you know, the partners that uh, that uh, we work with, you know, help share uh, some of the. Some of the load, and like I said, uh, you know, great set of uh, third-party consultants and uh, and advisors that we've been working with, and uh, yeah, it's it's worked quite well for us. Yeah, absolutely. Dan, run me through the first project. What was that like for you? Um, you know, and and like, don't hold anything back. What is it like to 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 just wake up one day and be like, yeah, we're gonna build you know a solar farm, we're gonna build a wind farm, and it's gonna be huge. Now what? What are the next steps? Like, how does that? What does that process even look like? Well, maybe I could tell you the kind of the story of how we we came up with the idea for uh, Traverse Solar. So it's not our first project, yeah. but um, uh, probably our our most high profile project. So um, you know, we've been developing uh, wind energy uh, in Alberta for for quite a number of years, uh, but you know, following trends uh, in technology, and uh, for quite a number of years, we've been going to the solar energy conferences. And uh, year over year, the message was, um, you know, co- solar costs are continuing to come down and the uh, point of parity is, uh, is in the not too distant future. And, um, you know, so went to that conference in 2017, heard that message. And, uh, you know, after the conference, you know, sitting back, reflecting on it. And we're like, well, why don't we just build the biggest solar project that anybody's ever seen? <laughs> Like, if, if, but like, seriously, if, if, uh, yeah. you know, if it truly is coming down to parity, uh, in the not too distant future, and I think it was, it was projecting, uh, 2020 and it actually did end up materializing in that way. We're like, yeah, you know, we should, we should make a big, big move into solar. And, uh, you know, we developed uh, this, uh, this really big solar project, Traverse Solar. Um, so, you know, that was the idea, you know, next we had to go, you know, find the appropriate site, uh, you know, work through the, uh, you know, the process to connect into the grid, permitting, public consultation, financing, commercial contract. It's a multi-year uh, uh, process. But, uh, you know, it was really, it really born, uh, you know, with a bold idea and, um, you know, a team that was focused on uh, on executing it and a lot of, na- and uh, working through uh, a lot of the naysayers along the way. Absolutely. Can we talk a little bit about that? Um, you know, one of the things that I wanted to talk about is what is required. So you, like you said, you know, okay, let's say that we have the funds and let's talk about how you raise those funds too. But you have the funds, but that's not enough. You can't just build Canada's largest solar. Fund, right? What is, what are the regulatory requirements? What were the naysayers? And you don't have to necessarily give names, but like, just explain maybe what's what the challenge is of building a project on that scale. Yeah, well, I mean, first off, it's difficult, uh, you know, to find a site, you know, so, um, you know, you ultimately need to find a site that, uh, you know, is suitable for that sort of development. So obviously a sunny site, a site, uh, you know, that's near transmission lines and, uh, you know, I'd say, you know, buildable, but you know, probably most importantly, uh, you know, community that's going to be uh, supportive of, you know, that sort of development and, you know, fortunate that uh, we found that in our case, um, 
But then there's a, you know, really long um, regulatory process to go through environmental permits and, uh, and the like, um, you know, public consultation, which um, need to ensure that uh, everybody's concerns are addressed. Um, and that, you know, that is a, um, a long process as well. Getting approval to connect into the grid. Uh, that's, uh, you know, quite a complicated process. And then, uh, you know, probably where I spend, um, I'd say most of my time over the last number of years at Greengate is really trying to bring in the capital to bring it, to develop this idea. So <clears throat> we're the developers. So we, we have the idea for the project uh, and uh, we spend, you know, I'd say, you know, in the millions of dollars over a number of years to turn that idea for a project into something that is investable for large uh, infrastructure funds or utilities. So I, you know, I spend a lot of time uh, having to sell the idea of this mega scale solar project in the great white North. Uh, so that was, uh, that was, you know, that was kind of, that was, that was kind of interesting, but uh, you know, a yeah. lot of people don't, don't know, but uh, you know, the data proves it that you know, Alberta is really well suited for, uh, for solar. So, um, you know, so we're able to work through those concerns. Some of the, uh, I guess, uh, institutional inertia, um, you know, here in Alberta, you know, uh, about this new type of technology. I mean, we're, we understand energy and oil and gas very well. Renewables is still something we're learning, uh, yeah. you know, so having to get through some of that. But um, we brought in a great, uh, a great partner to, to fund the project um, and, uh you know, ultimately was built uh, successfully. We no longer are owners of the project, but um, you know, very, very proud of uh, of the legacy that that project leaves behind. Yeah, absolutely, and you should be. Um, you know, it, it's not an easy job, and 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 to be the first person to be like, okay, yeah, we can do this. We can actually sit down and we can build. You know, Canada's largest solar project. Let's just go for it. Is incredibly ambitious, and congratulations on your success with that. That is no small feat. And you know, I mean, you, there's only one chance to be first, and you guys got it, regardless of who owns it now. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, yeah, absolutely. And you know, I, you know, I should point out. Yeah, one thing I didn't mention is the re, you know reason. That, so we invest you know in the millions of dollars in years. Um, to get this project ready, but you know this is this is a project that's almost a billion dollars. Um, so uh, it was a big investment by uh, by our partner to build out the project. Are, are they all private partners, or have you guys had public funds to to help you with this? No, we've um, you know all the money we've raised has been uh, you know private capital from uh, you know some some of the some of the companies that we've uh, we've sold projects to or partnered with are are public publicly traded companies, but. Uh, uh, private uh, infrastructure funds, pension funds, utilities. Those are the I see. parties we work with. I see. Cool. How? Okay. So explain to me when you were looking for investors, what was that process like for you? Because, you know, we're obviously on a business development show and there's gonna be lots of people who are looking for investment. Do you want to maybe explain what that process was like? How did you find these large size investors? You know, so, um, you know, we have two sets of investors, I would say. We have investors in our company. So those are the um, investors that have, um, you know, where we've raised in the millions of dollars. So, you know, it's in the tens of millions of dollars now over over many years. But, um, you know, to invest in the front end uh, part of our projects. And uh, in that case, uh, you know, so I was a, a co-founder and, a, and uh, you know, my own seed investor uh, in the company. Uh, but along the way, uh, it's um, funded by, uh, friends, family, high net worth uh, individuals. That's how we funded the front end. 
Um, so what we do is we invest that money that we raised uh, from from those individuals, those types of people, um, over over those years to get the projects ready for uh, the big capital to come in, like these pension funds, these infrastructure funds, these utilities. And um, what we what we did is um, I thought you know we did a pretty good job of telling our story, right? So um, okay, you know, <clears throat> making. Um, Putting Alberta on the map, if you will, from a renewable energy perspective, uh, because that was a bit of a challenge for us when we started in the industry. And uh, also, um, you know, telling the story about uh, why Alberta is a great place for wind, solar uh, and the like. Um, So I think, uh, you know, laying a pretty good um, foundation for our projects, uh, you know, general support and interest in our projects. Uh, But, uh, you know, then we work with uh, bankers, investment bankers. Uh, who help us, um, you know, find the right partners for our projects and negotiate uh, the right deals. Um, and uh, yeah, we've got a you know, great team of uh, lawyers, advisors uh, uh, to help us uh, work through that. Okay. Okay. So at what stage do these, you know, institutions step in? Do you guys already have shovels in the ground at that point? At what stage do do you kind of approach them? Like you said, you you may already ha- or is it is just we already have X amount of funds. Would you like to join us in this endeavor? Is that kind of how that works, or do you already have construction ongoing? Yeah, you know, it really depends on the deal, uh, on the project. Uh, but generally speaking, what I'd say is, uh, you know, we take the project um, uh, from idea uh, through to the start of construction. Uh, and at that time, because at the start of construction, that's when, uh, you know, the big capital is required to, you know, to actually build out the project. That's when you go yes. from the, you know, the millions of dollars of investment to the hundreds of millions of dollars required to build it out. Uh, so that's typically when we'll bring in, uh, bring in a partner uh, to, to fund that. And, you know, we'll either uh, you know, potentially sell the project, uh, retain an ongoing interest in the project. Uh, uh, you know, it really depends. Uh, but you know, okay. but you know, we've we've held some projects uh, longer through to through through to construction. There's a couple wind farms that just came online that um, you know we we still own a, uh, an interest in. So you know, really depends on on the projects. Okay, okay, yeah, no, it's just uh, definitely a question that I had because I know, like you said, two million dollars ain't no small amount, and it, it would be interesting to know kind of what the process is like. We talked about this briefly before too. You mentioned that you know jumping through the legal hoops, the regulatory hoops, uh, was also an interesting challenge for you. Do you want to maybe speak to that a bit? Yeah, well, uh, you know, these are large developments. Uh, there's um, you know a very uh, you know long. Um, um, regulatory process that projects need to go through. You know, fortunately in Alberta, though, you know, we we have energy development that's been going on in our province for decades. So we actually understand energy development really well compared to a lot of other places and have a very good uh, regulatory framework. It's just very comprehensive. Uh, you know, so that involves, um, you know, structured uh, consultation uh, with the public on all the various uh, aspects of the project um, you know, impacts um, from a, you know, a, a noise perspective, a glare perspective, uh, you know, visual impacts, um, and then uh, environmental impacts. Uh, you know, we have to <clears throat> run, uh, a, you know, a year of field studies that, you know, look at a whole bunch of, uh, you know, potential environmental risks that the project uh, could create or um, habitats that could be impacted. 
you know, so that's a long process. And then, uh, you know, working with the regulators to, you know, ultimately connect into the grid. Uh, you know, that's a multi-year process. And um, <clears throat> all that moves along in parallel. And you need to make sure that it all fits together into a very you know, detailed plan uh, to ultimately yeah. execute it. Um, it's complicated, but a lot of fun, a lot of variety. Yeah, definitely, definitely gives you something to look forward to every day. There's got to be some kind of new uh, challenge to uh, to tackle. Oh, oh yeah, every day's uh, every day something comes up, and you never know what it's going to be, but you know something's going to come up. So, I, I'm surprised that hooking up to the grid is is one of your major challenges. Is this is this just due to it being hard, or is this due to potentially some pushback from power companies? Um, well, the, the way the grid is, um, you know, uh, typically managed in, in most places, you have a, a system operator, um, an organization okay. that's responsible for operating the grid and ensuring that uh, it can deliver uh, reliable uh, power. Uh, and here yeah. in Alberta, uh, you know, we have uh, a very reliable grid and, and uh, you know, very strict um, rules around how it's operated and uh, how you connect new projects into it. Uh, yeah, so if you want to build a, you know, if you want to build a um, half a billion or a billion dollar power project, um, and you want to connect it to the grid, you they, you don't just like uh, fill out a form and have uh, somebody plug you in sixty days later. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta work <laughs> through a multi year process where they look at all sorts of, you know, you have run all sorts of studies to see, you know, what yeah. the impact's going to be and what sort of equipment needs to be upgraded at various places to uh, continue to ensure reliability. Um, and then, uh, you know, uh, they also have to consult with the public, uh, about it and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's all complicated. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 absolutely. And I, and I really appreciate you coming on and doing this educational segment because I, you know, I mean, I know that I am incredibly curious and I've heard, you know, I mean, I've heard it all too, like, oh, our grid can't sustain all this, or we're not prepared for a clean energy transition, or, you know, we can't, we can't actually you know, power if everyone had an electric car. Like these are all things that obviously I've heard and everyone else is hearing, but we don't know what any of that means, right? Like it's like, unless you're in it and you actually work in the energy sector, in the power transmission sector, it's like, it might as well be magic. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, I know. Yeah, power is, uh, power is really an amazing thing, right? You have, uh, you turn on your light bulb and uh, there's uh, something uh, behind the scenes that needs to make sure that uh, there's enough power uh, being produced in that moment to supply that light bulb, right? It's like Absolutely. literally it's, uh, it's, uh, but uh, it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a complicated system. It's been around for a long time. And uh, those that operate it are very protective of it and want to make sure that uh, it, you know, continues to be reliable. But uh, yeah. the whole conversation about what's possible is something else. Yes. Yes. I agree. I agree. But you know I mean? We don't hear people necessarily talking about what that means or like, you know I mean? Like, you know, the goal of Canada is 2035, right? We want to be 100% clean energy or sorry, I may be wrong on that number. Can you give me the exact statistic of what the 2035 uh, goal is? Yeah, so they, the federal government under their um, proposed clean electricity uh, uh, regulation wants um, is wants all the provinces to have a net zero grid by 2035, meaning all the electricity that is uh, produced in the province uh, and, you know, across Canada will need to come from uh, sources that don't create emissions. That's the federal okay, goal. Okay. And uh, okay. the province, uh, Alberta, um, here is pushing back 
very strongly against that goal. And that is the uh, contentious, uh, contentious issue at the moment in energy in Alberta. Yes, yes. Well, I, I heard them talking about it just this morning on the radio, um, you know, about that potentially being a challenge or about the Alberta government fighting back against that. Um, why? Like, why? Why the pushback from from your standpoint? Is it is it because it's not realistic or possible? Or is it just because it would cause a lot of challenge in the oil and gas sector? I think um, I'd say a net zero grid by 2035. Um, well, I think now with um, with uh, us really um, pushing back against it, I think it is it is very, very difficult to do. I'd say um, if we were if we were going at it with our full ambition and say, you know, taking it on as a challenge, mm-hmm. um, you know, <clears throat> there's two ways you can look at it. Um, certainly a challenge. It's certainly ambitious. Uh, but um, is it impossible? No. Uh, is it a challenge? Uh, yes, absolutely. And you can look at it in two ways. It's a challenge that we want to embrace. Um, you know, I think Alberta really had the opportunity uh, to demonstrate to the world what's possible. Like Alberta's, uh, you know, really innovative place, uh, you know, relatively prosperous. And we understand energy better than just about uh, any place in the world. And if anybody could figure out, I think it's Alberta. Um that said, that's not the direction we've chosen to go in. Uh, we've chosen to, you know, to fight uh, against that uh, that objective and and not take you know not take it on with uh, with that level of ambition. But um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm, I'm sympathetic, uh, you know, to some of the concerns uh, that the province ex- uh, expressed for sure. Um, you know, Alberta has unique challenges uh, associated with getting to net zero. Uh, the reason is. Um, a lot of other provinces have a, an abundance of hydro resources and um, uh, nuclear resources. And what that yeah. does is that provides uh, emissions-free, consistent, uh, you know, 24-7 power. You know, it's still expensive, but, you know, those are technologies that are well-proven. Alberta, however, doesn't have any nuclear. We don't have um, any hydro. And uh, the prospects of bringing uh, any on in the near term are, are Pretty low, so um, yeah. so what we rely on today is a bunch of uh, thermal uh, generation, generation that uh, relies on burning fossil fuels. Uh, used to be coal, now it's uh, natural gas, uh, and that's how we provide our twenty four seven power. Uh, on top of that, uh, we have much more, uh, you know, more and more renewables uh, that are coming onto the grid, which is absolutely uh, fantastic. But to you know, to um, to transition away from uh, you know this um, generation that uh, you know burns natural gas um, to something that doesn't produce any emissions is definitely a challenge. So, you know, how do you do that in Alberta? Um, you know, in my view, there are some ways to do that. Uh, um, you know, in, in Alberta, we can continue you know building renewables. And uh, building more and more renewables, which would mean we would need ultimately less of the gas. Um, you know, for the gas that we have, uh, it's carbon capture and storage. So we can look at, uh, you know, potentially sequestering uh, the carbon uh, associated with that. You know, there's energy uh, storage technologies that are that are vying. So there's a, you know, a bunch of, um, you know, pathways to get there. 
Um, but it all has a cost. And, uh, you know, that's another reality is, um, you know, does pushing it uh, too quickly result in a cost that's uh, unbearable ultimately for the consumers? So that's, yeah. you know, we need to find the right balance here. And I think the, uh, unfortunately, the issues become, uh, you know, very polarizing, uh, unnecessarily so. And, you know, renewables uh, actually in Alberta were growing, uh, growing very nicely with any of the, without any of these uh, really hard mandated targets. So, um, you know, I, um, I'd rather uh, we don't fight about it and find, uh, you know, find a common path forward. But uh, I'm not in politics, so it's, uh, it's not up to me. <laughs> I, I love that, though. I love that that's your stance. And I, I completely agree with you. I think it's stupid. I think it all benefits us, period. I don't care what way you look at it. Finding ways to generate more power, no matter how it is done, is going to be better for, for our province, period. <laughs> and I think we need to just start working together. Start working together. We need to, we know, we need to all recognize that it's, that I think it's also important to recognize that climate change is, um, is an important issue and that needs to be addressed. But, um, you know, there's uh, there's got to be practical considerations on how we get there. Agreed. Agreed. I think the challenge is this, is that it, it's our pocketbooks that, that do the talking, right? And when you're paying astronomical amounts for energy bills, you know what I mean? People start to think like, you know, yeah, we get it. The climate's important, but, you know, being broke sucks, <laughs> right? Like there's two sides to it. Uh, so it's one of those things where when that's the fight, when that is the fight, um, people, people don't want to be broke. And so how do you find the balance is, is clean energy? Is there a point at which this becomes, you know, a, cheaper for the, for the end consumer? Well, renewable energy is already really cheap. So, yeah. you know, wind and solar are now the cheapest, uh, sources of new power generation that we have available to us. The challenge with them though, is that they don't produce energy, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You know, they produce energy, sure. you know, solar during the daytime, wind, when the, you know, the wind blows, which could be, you know, daytime or nighttime. It's still important uh, energy in the mix, but um, it's getting it to the point that uh, is, um, you know, producing on a 24 by 7 basis without emissions. That's the, that's the part that makes it uh, expensive more expensive yeah. more expensive if, if you will but uh yeah. you know as we continue to invest in those technologies the costs will come down um so i think we need to keep on pushing for it i don't think we should just throw up our hands and say it's too expensive therefore it's impossible we shouldn't do it i think we should mm -hmm. keep on innovating and and pushing for it but uh, you know doing it in a um, you know in a reasonable uh in a reasonable manner Oh, you, man, you just opened my eyes. And, and I think a lot of listeners eyes. It's a supply and demand thing. It's not that it's more expensive. It's just that there's a there's less of it. Is is that reasonable to say like because it's not generating 24 seven? No, you, is you, that you, so this is this is an interesting phenomenon. So in uh, in the solar industry, um, you know, the re, uh, one of the 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 reduction in um, solar panel costs was largely driven by uh, the increase in manufacturing capacity. So basically, um, generally speaking, the you know for every doubling of uh, manufacturing capacity you have for for it, you have like a, a having in costs, kind of like Moore's law in uh, you know that used to apply in um, in computers. You know where uh, you know computer efficiency of microchips would uh, would increase and costs would continue to come down 
And that really yeah. kind of revolutionized. That's why we all carry a computer more powerful than what sent uh, humans to the moon in, you know, in the palm of yeah. our hands. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. But, okay. But it's the same sort of thing in, in solar, right? So, um, manufacturing capacity, uh, exploded all over the world, like tons of, you know, solar panel manufacturing capacity, uh, mostly in Asia that caused, uh, costs to, you know, come down really dramatically. Uh, and that's why solar energy is cheap. Uh, but the right. same thing I think is going to happen with batteries, right? As we electrify more and more of our economy and more and more of these, uh, battery facilities are built and battery capacity goes up, the cost of batteries is going to come down. Uh, and, uh, you know, that applies to all sorts of things as you build a, you know, big manufacturing, uh, complex around something, um, your costs will start coming down. Uh, you know, EVs themselves, the costs are coming down. So that that's generally the trend. But if you don't invest in it, you'll never get to that point. And yes. Uh, yes. so that's that we need to invest in it. Dan, okay, I want to talk I want to talk about about power storage, because obviously, that's one of the big challenges with power is that we have to use currently, at least with with power plants, as far as I understand, and I could be wrong, right? Like it says magic, <laughs> but we have to use the power when it is generated. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. Yeah, at you know, at the moment, there's there's really not any um, you know uh, widely adopted um, solution to store power in large volumes, um, and that is the uh, the challenge of the uh, of the electricity system. You know, some places. Um, can uh, get the same type of effect. So, for example, if you've got a large hydro dam, um, you can, uh, you know, um, kind of turn off the valve so it doesn't produce any that much and, you know, let the reservoir fill up uh, over time, essentially storing energy, you know, potential energy in that reservoir. And then you yeah. create the, you know, when you want it. <clears throat> but, um, you know, batteries are something that, uh, you know, has been talked about to try to deal with, you um, you know, some of, some of the intermittency of renewables, um, you know, battery costs are continuing to come down as, um, you know, as electric vehicles become more and more uh, widely adopted, you have more of that like, manufacturing capacity, like I was talking about yeah. being built up, those costs come down and some of those batteries can be deployed. Those same batteries that are deployed in EVs can be deployed in, um, you know, large scale stationary storage, um, applications and you know like tesla for example they produce you know shipping containers of batteries uh for this purpose um started being you know and there's others they're not the only ones uh and uh you know these batteries are starting to be deployed in various places around the world uh australia california uh ontario uh certainly the potential for that uh, you know here in alberta as well but uh you know the way i look at it, it's it's just another uh, tool in the uh, toolbox. Uh, it's not a you know silver you know it's not the solution you know the solution that's going to solve everything. It's just uh, sure. another thing that you can use to allow the grid to handle more renewables and produce that energy for longer periods of time. Well, I why like why haven't we been using batteries the whole time? Like to me, that seems like. To, be, to have to generate power, regardless of how you're generating it, and use it immediately or, you know, uh, peak times or whatever, 
it seems like the whole solution the whole time was that we needed some way to store this energy. Uh, is it just that we're getting technologically to the stage now where we could actually do it? Is that what's happening? Yeah, we're getting, you know, we're getting to the point now where battery costs have come down to the point that, um, you know, makes economic sense. Um, but I mean, we have been using batteries uh, for a while in, um, you know, um, like data centers, for example, you know, when they have a power outage, you know, they have batteries that, uh, you know, will ensure that there's uninterrupted uh, power continue to be provided to the servers. Uh, you know, uh, that, ha- you know, that's all that that's why they adopted. But what we're talking about is, um, you know, batteries that, I'm, you know, for a, a use case that requires a lot more of them uh, you know, to provide energy for a lot longer period of time. And uh, yeah, the economics are, are, you know, finally starting to make sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, when I was doing the research on you guys, um, your Luna, you have a couple stations that are actually battery storage built in, right? Like Luna, Luna has battery storage. That's correct, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, so that project uh, in particular, uh, that's a project that uh, we developed, uh, but uh, it's now owned by uh, by another company. It's owned by a company called Northland Power. Uh, we did okay. we did a deal at the end of last year to uh, you know to sell a number of. Uh, projects that were in the development stage, actually. So these are projects that weren't operating, but uh, projects that were still in the development stage uh, to Northland. Luna was one of them. Um, yeah. So, you know, well, you know, what we're seeing more and more in, um, in uh, projects going forward is the co-location of batteries with the project. So meaning uh Instead of just having a standard solar project, you have a solar project with, uh, you know, battery storage uh, on the you know same site. Uh, and that allows, uh, you know, the power to be produced uh, more flexibly. And, uh, yeah, there was, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, trying to incorporate that flexibility into into projects going forward. And I think that's that's what we're going to see more and more of uh, in the future. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and it, and it, to me, it seems like why why wouldn't we do that the whole time? <laughs> but I get it. I feel like I feel like like you said, it had to make economic sense at the end of the day, and I imagine that was the challenge that that many batteries or that scale of batteries probably was not cheap at all, and it had to. I imagine the costs had to come down before it was even feasible. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, anything's possible for a cost, right? But uh, you know, we're you know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, we're developing these projects. We're creating ultimately an investment opportunity for institutional investors, you know, some of the largest in the world. And uh, just because renewable energy project doesn't mean they're going to invest in it if it loses money. If, you know, they, they, they these are, st- you know, uh, it's an investment and they, uh, you know, it, it needs to deliver uh, an economic return. And uh, yeah. unless uh, whatever you're doing enhances uh, the returns of the project. It's uh, you know difficult decision. Absolutely, you know. I mean, I, I talk about it on the show all the time. Whatever you do, it either has to make people money or save people money. There's really no two ways about it. There's got to be some type of balance there, or it doesn't make financial sense. So, I, I, yeah, I totally, I totally understand. Yeah. Um, one of the questions that I had for you, I wanted to talk a little bit about the grid. Um, you know, you mentioned that being a challenge. You mentioned that kind of just getting onto the grid uh, is obviously not an easy task, especially when you're bringing in the amount of energy that you guys are bringing on. What has to happen for you to do that? Do, do like, I imagine there's a limit. There's just, there's like a, a limit to how much power can be transmitted at any given time. 
if you guys bring your facility online, does that mean that like the power plant has to reduce power at that time? Or how does that work exactly? Yeah, I mean, so, you know, in different places, it works uh, differently. But in Alberta, we have um, Canada's only deregulated uh, power market. And uh, basically, we have a uh, the power pool, it's called. And uh, all the generators uh, bid into the power pool for how much they're willing to um, produce power for uh, in any given hour. And oh, okay. um, the uh, the needs uh, are, you know, the needs at that moment in time are matched up with the stack of uh, generators that have bid to supply the power. And, uh, you know, whatever the ultimate uh you know, price ends up being to match the load at that time sets the price for everybody. Um, and uh, in the case of renewables, uh, renewables always bid in zero, right? So because we are, we can't uh, decide to turn on and off at will. It's becoming more and more uh, possible for renewable projects to turn on and off at will. With, you know, with, with sort of these storage. Um, solutions being implemented, but generally speaking, they're price takers. So uh, that's uh, probably more detail than you wanted, but that's how it works. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. I appreciate it, Don. Like I said, like, where else are we going to learn this? So I appreciate it immensely. Um, Talk to me about the future, the future. I know we're, I know we're getting to getting into it a little bit and that's okay. Um, What do you think? Do you think that renewables are going to replace some of these other generations, like, you know, I, I forget it's, it's, uh, you said it's, uh, uh, natural gas generation yeah, yeah. right now, like Genesee. Do you, do you foresee renewables completely replacing these, you know, in 30 years, 20, 30 years, or do you think that it's going to just be like supplemental? Like we're always going to have both. Well, I think, you know, ultimately we need to get to a net zero future. I think that's important, uh, you know, for the uh, sustainability of human civilization because of, um, you know, climate change. You know, we talked about it a little bit earlier. Um, yeah, we um, we have to consider the costs uh, today of, uh, you know, all these decarbonization efforts. But on the other side, we also have to consider the costs of not doing anything. And, you know, if we're talking 20, 30 years out, uh, if we continue to do nothing, uh, you know, we will uh, have costs that uh, are probably well in excess of whatever the costs are to to deal with it now. Early action is uh, is always um, is always less expensive. Um, all that said, um, you know I think what we're going to see over time uh, is an increasing amount of renewables on the grid. Do I think there's going to be none of the other stuff left? No, I don't think that's going to be the case. What I think we're going to do is we're going to have uh, you know s- solutions that are going to allow us to provide a net zero grid decarbonization solutions. Um, you know, so natural gas with uh, you know uh, carbon capture attached to them. You know, more nuclear, more renewables, more batteries, uh, more hydro, uh, more of you know maybe it's something we don't even uh, you know have in our uh, toolkit today. Uh, but I think yeah. it's going to be a combination of things. I don't think it. That's that's the the problem with this. Uh, I think general, not our discussion, but the general discussion playing out in the public on this is way too polarized. It's you know been framed as uh, you know all of one and none of the other. But I think it's going to be um, all of the above uh, going forward. 
um, with uh, you know decarbonization uh, attached to to all of it. I find it interesting because the more that I learn about the subject, the more that it starts to feel like this isn't really a fight of oil and gas versus renewables that they're making it out to be. It it's not that. Yeah, I mean it it, it shouldn't be. It certainly shouldn't be. Uh, it's playing out that way politically, uh, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, it's been framed as oil and gas uh, versus renewables, but it's an and. It's oil and gas and renewables. You know, Alberta, Alberta's uh, you know one of the top oil producing, oil and gas producing regions in the world. Why would we ever give that up? Like it would be abs- it would be absurd to give that up. We should absolutely be be continuing to invest in our oil and gas industry as long as the world continues to use oil and gas, and that's going to be for a long time. Uh, but 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 uh, at the same time, we can do things much more efficiently and uh, and you know get to a, a lower carbon future and use the prosperity that we have uh, to invest in the future. And that's really what I would like to see more is uh, you know um, you know more of a, a stronger commitment and and sustained commitment that uh, is not exposed to every election and a change of political leadership like a resilient policy that's recognized by all of us that is, uh, you know, the right way for us to go. Yeah, no, agreed. It doesn't have to be one or the other. And, you know, I mean, I hope that's kind of maybe the takeaway that people get from this is that, you know, there's room for both and they're both needed, right? Absolutely. Like that's just the reality of it. And just because the way that the political arena is leaning at any given time, um, that doesn't mean that that's, that's the way it is. Like the reality is we're going to need both of these solutions. There's, it doesn't have to replace one another. And, um, yeah, I'm really happy that we got to kind of have that conversation about it. One of the questions that I wanted to talk to you about, Dan, was um, how about jobs, right? We're not really talking about what uh, what what uh, renewable energy means for jobs, but it's a big deal. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's, ton- you know, there are tons of jobs, uh, you know, that are created in in renewables. Uh, you know, our uh, talked about that solar project, the Traverse Solar Project, a project we developed that was just completed at uh, the end of last year. Uh, you know, at the height of construction, it had, uh, you know, close to a thousand people on site. Uh, you know, so this is, a, you know, these are projects that create jobs as they're built out. If you look at, um, you know, a lot of um, the job booms that we've had uh, in Alberta, a lot of it has been driven by the massive construction activity that's been going on um, to support the oil and gas sector. Uh, you know, a lot of it around the oil sands um, yeah. and, uh, you know, all the spinoff uh, benefits associated with that. But we also have the potential for a construction boom uh, in renewables in Alberta. Uh, and I wouldn't say just the potential. We have been seeing a construction boom around uh, renewables in Alberta with billions of dollars of invest- investment uh, over the last number of years, thousands of jobs that, uh, that have been created. Uh, and um, I think we just need to keep on encouraging uh, you know, that uh, you know, to continue because I think it's great. Absolutely. It's another, another leg... Uh, the stool for our economy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like (laughs) the reality is we need as many jobs as we can get period. And these are good jobs. These are not, you know, just mediocre jobs. These are, these are high paying family sustaining jobs. And I think that it's very critical that we, we remember that, that, that it's not just, Oh, renewables, you know, I'm out of my job. The reality is there's going to be a ton of jobs in renewables moving forward because this 2035 goal is incredibly ambitious. Like, Dan, we didn't really talk about it, but if we were to get into what that would mean, what what would a revamp on the power grid even look like? 
Well, in order to get to that, uh, you know, that particular 2035 goal, uh, we need to have started yesterday uh, in, in a very yeah. serious way. But, um, you know, really, really, you know, if, if we're going to, if, if that truly is the goal, I think, uh, you know, there's a big political debate about it right now. The province is saying they want to get there by 2050. The feds are saying uh, they want us to get there by 2035. Um you know, now the province uh, has uh, invoked uh, the Sovereignty Act, um, you know, to, um, you know, to push back against it. So all this is still playing out. Um, but assume, let's, just, let's say for, uh, for hypothetical, uh, hypothetical reasons, we're saying it's 2035. Uh, you know, that's going to require a massive build out of solar, massive build out uh, of wind. Uh, a lot more battery storage uh, projects all over the province, a lot more carbon capture uh, and storage uh, in Alberta, uh, you know, a lot more hydrogen uh, potentially in Alberta, uh, more hydrogen development and, uh, you know, potentially uh, even nuclear. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a lot of it's a lot of change, regardless of what way you look at it, and it will create a lot of jobs. And I think it will be good, not just for the country, but for for Alberta. And I, you know, I mean, I'm incredibly for Alberta. I know you are as well. Um, I I find it kind of funny that all of your projects are in Alberta, yet it's so polarized. Like, you know, I mean, you would think being so environmentally forward that BC would be on board, or that you know some of the other provinces would have jumped on board, but no, it's right here in Alberta. It, it, it's a little bit funny, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I, I I really love punishment. No, I'm, no, I'm I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I'm I'm actually just kidding. Alberta, Alberta's, um, you know, been a great place to do business. Uh, so, you know, Alberta's uh, got phenomenal fossil fuel resources, but we also have uh, amazing renewable energy resources. Uh, we have some of the best uh, onshore wind resources in the world, uh, or, or certainly in North America. Um, we have some of the best solar resources uh, in North America. Um, so, you know, really great, uh, to produce electricity from, from that. And, uh, you know, we're the only deregulated, uh, power generation market in Canada. And I think that's really, uh, been the key is, you know, so if you, uh, are developing a project and you can, you know, jump through all the regulatory hoops and, uh, ultimately find a, you know, buyer for the power or you're comfortable selling it into the market. And can you know justify justify the economics? There's nothing stopping you from connecting to the grid. Nothing stopping you from from going ahead. Uh, whereas every wow. other place, uh, you cannot move ahead unless the provincial utility is wanting you to move ahead. So uh, interesting, interesting. And you know, and and, and the, you know, they may decide that they need power at that point in time. In which case, they procure power. But if they're not procuring power, you're not connecting to the grid in these other places. So that's the real difference. Uh, in Alberta and allows for a lot of commercial innovation, uh, which is something that we've uh, fortunately been able to take advantage of. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been, uh, the industry has been growing in Alberta, um, you know, quite a bit and I hope it, um, you know, hope it'll continue. Absolutely. And you know what I mean? It's, it's just funny that we get hated on because we, you know, we're a dirty oil Alberta yet we're kind of leading, leading the, leading the charge with the green energy front too. So, you know, maybe it's time for these other provinces to step up a little bit. What do you think? Um, I, I do think it's time for the other provinces to step up. We certainly don't do ourselves any favors by uh, declaring a temporary moratorium on uh, new renewable development like we're currently dealing with uh, in the in Alberta. 
I'm, you know, I'm worried that uh, has the potential to uh, stunt our our growth. Um, but uh, I think, yeah, I certainly think other provinces need to need to step up, uh, and Alberta needs to work through this uh, uh, moratorium nonsense and get back to uh, the growth we're seeing in the industry. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Dan, that brings us to the end of our show today. If, um, you know, I just wanted to ask you one question. We're talking to a lot of entrepreneurs. We're talking to a lot of business owners, founders, and they always love great advice from people such as yourself. And, you know, if you could give them one piece of advice, uh, what, what might that be? Make sure to find time for yourself. Um, you know, being an entrepreneur is, um, you know, very challenging, uh, experience as, uh, all entrepreneurs know, and it uh, has the potential to, to um, almost become an obsessive focus uh, to the exclusion of other things in your life. And I think if you want to make make your entrepreneurial journey sustainable, um, make sure you take care of yourself, take care of your your body, your mind, um, and uh, and your family. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate that. This is really cool too, Dan. This is our very first guest interview of 2024. So I just want to wish you know all of our listeners an absolutely amazing 2024. I wish you health. I wish you prosperity. And I hope you have an absolutely amazing, amazing year. This has been episode 96 of the Business Development Podcast. We have been graced by Executive Chair and CEO of Greengate Power, Dan Balaban. Until next time, we'll catch you on the flip side. This has been the Business Development Podcast with Kelly Kennedy. Kelly has 15 years in sales and business development experience within the Alberta oil and gas industry and founded his own business development firm in 2020. His passion and his specialization is in customer relationship generation and business development. The show is brought to you by Capital Business Development, your business development specialists. For more, we invite you to the website at www.capitalbd.ca. See you next time on the Business Development Podcast. Business Rockstars, we at the Business Development Podcast humbly invite you to be part of our journey. Despite our global reach spanning over 130 countries and our status as an award-winning show, we remain committed to delivering valuable insights and engaging content to our audience of decision makers. With two episodes released every single week and a back catalog of over 100 episodes, we strive to provide our listeners with the latest strategies and trends in business development and business growth. Why consider sponsoring us? Our listeners trust us to deliver authentic, informative content, making it an ideal platform for you to showcase your brand in a genuine and meaningful way. Choose from flexible sponsorship packages tailored to fit your advertising needs. With a back catalog of over 100 episodes and an average of eight new episodes released every single month, there are plenty of opportunities for you to connect with our audience. If you believe that your brand aligns with our humble mission, reach out to us at podcast at capital bd.ca. Let's start a conversation and explore how we can collaborate to elevate your brand together. Thank you for considering us. Send us an email at podcast at capital bd.ca and let's partner for the future.